I'm Dustin Zahn, and this is Trainwrecks. This week we have a UK legend on the show. He's a DJ, producer, promoter. He owns a record label, and basically he's done just about everything you can do in the business. His name is Steve Bicknell. Together with his partner, for the past 25 years, he's been responsible for the Lost Parties in the UK. Uh, it was about a decade run of events featuring the likes of Robert Hood, Jeff Mills, Richie Houghton, Derek May, and a bunch of others. Uh, these parties were very influential to an entire generation of London ravers in the 90s. Um, about a few years after the parties started, he also started a record label called Cosmic with his partner, and it took shape over the course of, well, it's still going on now, almost 25 years later, and it's got a highly credible back catalog filled with the likes of FaZe and Oliver Ho and, and Steve himself. Um, there's also a sub-label called Cosmic ID, which was quite popular back in the day. It leaned more towards the clubby, tribal, techno side of things. Uh, I think that's been done for quite a while now, though. Um, when it came to the remixes for these labels, they called upon people like Juan Atkins, Surgeon, Robert Hood, uh, basically a bunch of legendary badasses from each side of the pond. And uh, as we'll learn from Steve, he ended up taking a break a uh, little over 10 years ago. The Lost Parties came to an end, and the labels basically came to a standstill. But around two years ago, Steve popped up with a few new EPs on Cosmic, uh, a couple of appearances on Osgood, and a small handful of remixes, including uh, one for years truly. We'll find out what inspired him to return to techno and what he has in store for the future. Uh, he spilled the beans on some exciting news that uh, I don't think he's really been public about yet, so stay tuned for that. And uh, I gotta say, one of the things that I really like about Steve is that he's this sort of deep, heady guy. He really takes the time to think about uh, what he wants to say before he speaks. And another strong point to pay attention to uh, in this interview is that, you know, he shared a very specific vision for both the Lost Parties and the Cosmic label. Um, it's clear as he explains it that he thought it through very carefully and he wasn't willing to jeopardize that vision or idea that he had in mind. Uh, many times when you come across like a label or a nightclub or like a collective of producers or DJs that ends up standing the test of time, it's because they enjoy the same philosophy, uh, you know, just sticking to what you really are passionate about and not really letting the influences of trends or other things get in the way. So if you're a promoter or a DJ or Anything like that, consider approaching it that way. I caught up with Steve uh, just before his gig at the Infrastructure Record Release Party here in Berlin at Space Hall Records. Um, Infrastructure is a label that is owned and operated by Function and Inland, which is also known as Ed Davenport. Um, and they've got a new compilation out this week. It's a four-record, I guess you could say it's a box set. Um, which also features a track from Steve himself. It's called, uh, I think it's called Faculty. I don't, I don't remember the title, to be completely honest. Uh, but anyway, you can find it on the internet. Uh, it's super strong, and uh, 
the party ended up being pretty crazy for a record shop. Um, I didn't know what to expect. Uh, after the interview, I went with Steve, and we showed up to the record shop, and there was this massive line out the door. Um, and, you know, once we got inside, the record shop was completely turned into a nightclub with a bar included. Uh, the whole place was pretty packed, and it wasn't long before it just became a full-on party. And uh, by the end, it had this kind of smoky, foggy, uh, techno dungeon thing going on with the whole Bedusi vibes, and eventually the police shut it down. Um, yeah, it, it was kind of interesting because there was a lot of techno DJs there and producers and, and industry professionals, and uh, it's definitely one of those parties where if the place would have burned down or something like that, half the techno scene would have disappeared with it. Um, I had a really good time, and it was nice to run into everybody, and you know everybody played good DJ sets. So uh, a big thank you to Infrastructure and Space Hall for putting that event on. And uh, if you guys are curious, check out that compilation. Enjoy the interview. All right, Steve. Well, welcome to the show. Thank you for coming on. Thank you for inviting me. No problem. Um, you're in Berlin, basically, because you got a couple things going on. But tonight, you're also um, you're playing at the uh, it's the event, the record release for the new infrastructure compilation, right? Yeah, correct. It's a pretty interesting lineup. You got uh, Function, Blue Hour, yourself, Eftemin, Campbell, Irvine. Um, Maybe one or two others. Yes, I've heard it's a small place, no? Uh, Space Hall, have you yeah. been there? No. Space Hall is actually a great record shop. I yeah. mean, a lot of people in Berlin will go to uh, Hard Wax, yeah. which I go there all the time because it's literally right around the corner here. But um, Space Hall is, I mean, it's a it's big considering record shop sizes. But if, for a lineup like that, it's its definitely maybe a little bit too small. I mean, yes. that's, that's a festival lineup right there. Yeah, so. it, it seems that way. But uh, and it's free, so yeah. that's kind of crazy. You yeah. know, there's not many cities where you get to do something like that. Yeah, we just have to hope that not too many people turn up. Well, at least you'll get in. You have to. You yeah. got to play. <laughs> um. So I'm gonna go through. I don't want to. You know, I definitely want to go into the past because I think there's uh there's a lot to your back history that's a lot more interesting than maybe some DJs out there because you, mm. you've been at it for a long time, but. I also want to talk about what's going on to uh, today, but um, let, let's start with the past because that okay. makes the most sense. Um, you're from the UK, and um, you're you're most known for it. Well, not only as a producer, but you you also ran Cosmic Records. Yes, and uh, you did the Lost Parties, correct? Correct. Yes, there was myself and my uh, partner. Um, we started Lost before the label. Um, maybe three years, I think it was. Um, and, yeah, the label came. Okay, so the label did come after. after. Yes. That's what I was curious about. Um, I mean, now, you said it was about three years before, so that puts you around 1990 that you started the parties? Yes, the end of 1990. Yeah. Okay. And um, so 1990, I mean, at that point, things were still kind of kicking off, you know what I mean? Like these days, you know, there's a huge history and establishment behind it and names and whatnot. Mm -hmm. But, um, I mean, when you started these parties in 1990, like how did you even know 
who to book or like what records to look for? Like where where does it start for you? Well, I mean, I was basically playing techno, buying techno, um, and there was a kind of transition between around that time music became you know started to segregate so you'd have a house party you'd have a kind of indie kind of party and you'd even Balearic was around at that time and I just wanted to basically start a night um playing the music that I was buying at the time. Okay. Um, and that's how we contacted people. It was, I mean, my partner at the time, we'd, you know, I'd be buying the music, there'd be contact numbers on the labels. So that's how we contacted people. Okay. So basically you're just kind of, you were a record shopper and yep. you would be like, oh, Derek May, this guy yep. seems like... You had him out there, I'm assuming. Right? Oh, yeah, or, many times. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I, yeah. I, you know, I don't have... I don't actually know the full history of the Lost Parties, but I've read pieces here and there and it just seems like you had everybody that was going on at the time. Yeah, it was very kind of personal. Um, yeah. And I think that's how it continued because it wasn't about fitting in with anything. And... You know, we was very kind of privileged, I think, to be able to be so, um, if you want to call it hard-headed, mm-hmm. but we was, I think we was control freaks, yeah, <laughs> basically, and we wanted to control, you know, every kind of detail. So it was still pretty professional despite kind of like, because everybody that went to those parties said it was just like pure chaos in the sense of like... <laughs> I don't know, just maybe they're really partying down. or Maybe what, it was organized chaos. Well, that's a good way to put it. <laughs> you know, I mean, um, I take it you're familiar with like the Drop Bass Network and those old records. They were a bit oh, more yeah. acid and hardcore. Yeah. I had Kurt on the show and, you know, when I was growing up and going to some of these parties and getting the records, because it was so chaotic, I thought, all right, you know, and even some of the myths and the rumors led it to believe that it just kind of somehow happened, like they got it together, but... He, when I talked to him, it seemed like he had it pretty dialed in. He's like, "Yeah, you, you." Ha- I mean, of course, it was the permits weren't there and whatnot, but uh, you have to be on top of it to well, make it work. I mean, when you talk about permits, um, the I think it was actually the second lost uh, that we put on. Um, yeah, the party was illegal. Let's say it was illegal, but legal. We it was in a photographer studio. <clears throat> I mean, I've spoken about this many times in the past it was the second lost and there was only there was two rooms there was only maybe what 200 250 people that kind of size Mm -hmm. and uh richie halton was playing that night um and he was also playing in leeds and then driving down to us and we the party actually got stopped by the police uh like uh, I think it was about 2.30 in the morning and Richie wasn't playing till 4. And this is actually before at mobile phones. So we couldn't contact Richie to say, hey, look, the, par- the party's been closed. So we had to, you know, sit around and wait for him. I think Richie turned up about 4 or 5 in the morning. So we were just sitting in an empty kind of photographer studio waiting for him to turn up. Um, 
And that was actually, I think that was our first meeting, like proper meeting with him. Um, so it wasn't the best sort of introduction, but, you know, we just sat around, had a chat. And the, I think it was the following party, we changed to change venue and went, you know, let's say legal, kind of legal, because it was in a, a club in Brixton. And there was a club, uh, the club was actually in the basement for, and I think that only held about 200 people, but then there was maybe four four or five rooms in the upper part of the building. It used to be an old uh, police museum, which is quite bizarre. So we basically used the warehouse spaces upstairs, mm-hmm. which obviously wasn't, it was legal, but not. Fair enough. <laughs> Um, and we, that's kind of where Lost actually built because we was doing it for, you know, monthly at mm-hmm. that time. And when I sort of think back to that, I mean, that just seems bizarre to be able to do like a monthly party for, you know, a good, I don't know how many years, I mean, 10 years, something wow. like that. Consistently. Um, yeah. But it did it. So did it. I mean, because I don't know, did most of the parties for that duration of the 10 years remain at that location or did it move onwards and upwards? Um, That, I I can't, I mean, I couldn't tell you how long we was there. It must have been three years, five years. I I don't even remember. Uh, But we we had to move out of that location because uh, the owner sold it. So then we moved to some railway arches in Southwark. Uh, we was there for maybe three or five years again, and then you have to move again. And yeah, um, that keeps it fresh, though. You yeah. know what I mean. Otherwise, it can get stale. I and- think so. Um, and you know, usually things happen for a reason. Um, and then we started doing lots of parties in the Docklands uh, area of London because that was, you know, there wasn't so many people living around that way. It was a yeah. lot, lot of very good buildings that we could use and um yeah we we moved around there in a few spaces um and then i mean usually why you end up moving is because you know situations with the venue because we yeah. was very pure even if we used a, a space that had a sound system in it mm-hmm. we'd, we'd be taking our own one in um and that's how it continued. And like that's what I was saying. I think we was very controlling, but we had to be. Yeah. Because we was very specific about what we wanted to produce and how we thought the music should be presented. I think that's an important factor, though, mm-hmm. because, you know, I didn't realize that that would happen with this show. But when I started the podcast, I actually started getting a lot of messages from promoters or people who used to be promoters and now are inspired to come back. And, um, you know, one of the things we were trying to drive home on some of the episodes is that, like, it really is important to have sort of a vision as to what you kind of have in mind for a party. Like, not, you know, what's the costume theme going to be, but like something more, like, especially if it's a series. And uh, like, even if it means choosing the right local DJs, whether they're mm-hmm. whether you're friends or or not, you know. But so for the for the sake of the audience, let's assume that they don't know anything about the last parties. Mm-hmm. That 
they never heard of them or they were too young or maybe they were too wasted to remember. Yeah. Um, but like, what what was the general atmosphere like? Um, well, that's quite a, a hard mean, question. Over to ten answer. years, it's a little tough, I guess. Well, but no, I mean, I mean, it it never really changed. It was you know, people was infused, enthusiastic about going to the parties, and it was quite special for London at that time because, you know, you wouldn't get the atmosphere that you had it lost in mm-hmm. any kind of other club. Yeah. And I think that was because most of the audience that was coming, they was, you know, they was collecting music. Sure. You know, they wanted to listen to these producers. Um, so it was very kind of, you know, people... They were educated traveled. in a way. Yeah, and people travelled from all over the UK, and that's they'd meet up um, at Lost, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, so it was very, you know, re- super friendly. No, I, I wouldn't go as far as to say, you know, the old, the cliche so it of is it, it was like a family kind yeah. of atmosphere because it was it was positive and uplifting as opposed to like a dark and yeah it sort was a meeting neg- place but yeah. it was very dark you know I mean I mean the music yeah <laughs> and the the lighting was well kind of I mean non-existent. not literally no, but no. Uh, dark is in the tone <laughs> yeah you know like you go to some of these clubs here in Berlin for example and it's like a very melancholy sort of vibe but people are still loving it you know what I mean yeah um, so I mean. You started the parties around 1990. Um, people like Robert Hood, Jeff Mills, mm-hmm. Derek May, Richie Houghton, all these guys were coming in. Yep. Of course, they were already huge back then because those records were, were big. But, I mean, I think now, obviously now since it's decades later, their names hold this, like, they resonate with this, like, legendary status. Yeah. Whereas I think back then it was still kind of, in my impression, like, they were building that up. At that point, did... Was it something that was already established, or did you see like these guys were onto something, or were they just making cool shit? Um, it, yeah, it was about what they was producing. I mean, if I mean, it sounds maybe a, a tad negative, but if we or I didn't like certain music, then we wouldn't have those people play. It wouldn't matter sure. if they was popular. It wouldn't matter if you know they could you know bring a thousand people to the party. It wasn't about that. It was. You know, it was about, you know, creating an environment for, you know, music that we was really interested in. And it we didn't, you know, at that time, like you say, I mean, Richie, Jeff, Derek, I mean, they're kind of massive, but in, in, a, in a different way to, let's say, Cole Cox. Um, but we didn't see any of that it wasn't that wasn't the end game it was mm-hmm. it was all and like I said when you're producing a, a monthly party you know you finish one and, and although everything was planned it wouldn't be we wouldn't plan six months in advance yeah you know you you'd finish one party then as soon as the party's over the next week you're booking people for the following party uh-huh. and you could work like that in those days because yeah people were playing but um it wasn't like you had to book them six or eight months in advance. Oh. Um, so that's kind of how it um, 
generated and it's you know i always sort of described it as at one point it was like a runaway train mm-hmm. because it was just going yeah we was kind of it was just set in motion yeah and yeah. it was just rolling along i got you so then um i mean obviously those guys in their own right are still great djs or live acts to this day were there any that um that you just couldn't get enough of or you're just like every time you're like you just wanted to keep booking them over and over well that would be particular yeah yeah okay because he was slightly i mean obviously jeff and robert are you know in the same vein kind of yeah um and Derek as well because you know he plays what Derek plays but he plays it very well yeah He's, I mean he definitely plays it in his own way yeah you know um, and obviously Richie um, was you know backwards and forwards a lot um, but what also we was lucky because where the music was quite new and it was moving into different directions we it wasn't like we'd ever run out of people to invite true um, because it was all building a, around the same time as we was doing yeah. it and then you had the because at this rate it's like the mid 90s right something yeah. like that and then you've got the the guys from fat cat that grain had, and all that. had the record shop um and obviously you know that's I'd be shopping in the shop and we worked very closely with them because they was kind of the main kind of techno outlet in London. So they'd be selling tickets for the parties and, you know, they'd be really supportive of it because they knew that we wasn't doing it for, you know, monetary gain. Mm-hmm. It was a case of we was doing it because... Um, we wanted to, like I said, we wanted to present the music in an environment that we felt it should be heard in. I hear you. So then, on, on like on a personal level, I'm sure, like because you booked these guys over the years, did you develop a, a particularly close bond with any of them in particular? Um, uh, like maybe not even so much the Detroit guys, but like you know, the English producers and stuff like that? Because I'm assuming, which we'll get into later, is the label Cosmic. Yeah. I'm assuming that was either friends that were around the area or people that came to the parties and you appreciated their music? Or Well, yeah, that I mean, if you think about, you know, people like Oliver Ho, James Ruskin, uh, Max Julie, I mean, they was people that was coming to Lost. That's yeah. how they discovered techno. Um, and that's through coming to Lost. That's how... That's what made them start wanting to make music and play. Yeah. And, um, so, yeah, I, I guess that's... It's, but it was very organic. I mean, it was very natural. It wasn't... There wasn't any, you know... There wasn't any kind of ego sort of situations around and everyone was just very enthusiastic about this whole... <clears throat> not not a movement, but it, it was moving into a different area. It was blowing up, yeah, I mean... And the... I mean, when you said you're talking about Cosmic a, a bit later, I mean, on, on Cosmic, there was the Lost Recording series, and I was basically making music that I was going to be playing at Lost. 
Fair enough. And the whole sound, it, I, I wouldn't say we created a sound. We created something, Definitely. let's say. I wouldn't I go as so. far as to say that we created a whole sort of type of techno, but it was slightly different. And it was very immersive. Um, and as I say, it was, you know, that's why it was so important about the sound and not so important. I'd say not so important about the lighting, but we was basically the lighting was there to enhance the music. It wasn't like a, a load of flashing lights going yeah. off. And they'd be very sparse. So it'd be atmospheric as opposed to yeah. a club and experience. Because what, what what we didn't want to happen is we didn't want to people's attention to be distracted, like taken away from, from the music. It was, you know, there was nothing. That's why people was there. Yeah. They wasn't there to go and see a laser or a light show. Yeah. And we just enhanced the experience. And... You know, lots of people wouldn't even realise that, you know, that was a conscious decision on what we was doing. Yeah. Um, but that's how we felt that it worked the best. I hear you. So, you know, with all those things in mind and whatnot, and as the parties were going on, was there any um, was there any particular parties or sets or something that, that stand out above the rest over those 10 years, roughly, of parties? Well, you'd obviously, you know, I have been asked this question. I mean, maybe there was like, yeah, like a New Year's one night or just something. Maybe not even the best, but you're just like, man, I'll never forget that night. I mean, there's the one night is when Basic Channel played live and Jeff was playing as well. And, you know, they was, you know, working, you know, backwards and forwards between each other. And I felt that that night was... I wouldn't say, yeah, it stood out from the others because the whole kind of music really came together. Mm-hmm. And that really was the actual, my ideal sound for yeah. what I was trying to present. Um, but then, yeah, we did the Axis Party, you know, Jeff played, Robert played live, Um Another party we had Jeff in one room, uh, Derek in the other. You know, playing at the same time. Um, but on a whole, I mean, looking back on it, there's there's not a party that we thought, you know, oh that wasn't too good. Yeah, well that's good because <laughs> yeah. there's a lot of people that could could say the opposite. They'd yeah. be like, well, we had a one, we had a couple great ones and a lot of bad yeah. ones. But, I mean, yeah, you know, that was at the time, like, you brought up, like, Jeff played a lot. And I feel like, uh, I mean, I have, I have, I'm totally into Jeff now and what mm-hmm. he does. But it's like, Jeff back then versus Jeff now is two completely different worlds. Like, he kind of had the, the swagger thing going on and doing all the tricks and the moves and smiling a bunch. And, like, almost a bit, like, uh, show off in a way. Like, there was some flavor to it. Because, you know, he was doing a lot of, like, the purpose maker stuff and whatnot yeah. around that time. That's true. Whereas now, like, he's in a spacesuit and talking about <laughs> playing music on Alpha Centauri and stuff. Yeah. And, uh, which, it's, it's two totally different realms, and they both have, uh, 
great vibes to it. Mm-hmm. But I just I'm a little jealous because you got to see a lot of him in that era, which I didn't really get to because I was a bit too young. Yeah. But um, I mean, so going, you know, moving forward, I guess let's let's talk about Cosmic for a bit here. Mm-hmm. Um, the label, I mean, it's been going on for about 23 years now. I guess so. I mean, Lost is about 25, 20, yeah, so 26. Roughly yeah. in that period. Yeah. And uh, I mean, the Mills influence is definitely seen on those records yep. uh for example like um you know a lot of the 90s had to do with let's say tribal or percussive techno uh-huh. and cosmic you know it's, there's a lot of there's a big variety of things on there um some of it's just very analog synthy um driven stuff and others is full-on like conga techno yeah um but like a darker take on it, not like something that no. would have came out on Primate and all the yeah. that kind of that kind of stuff. But I mean, um, and, and you also had a lot of, uh, including the sublabel people like Oliver Ho and whatnot in there. And this was all, I'm assuming, direct, um, directly influenced by Mills and those guys at at the Lost Parties. Yes, I would say that. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I mean, like I said earlier, I mean people like Oliver and James, Max Julie, um, they was all coming to the parties early on. Um, so if they're going to start making music and they're going to uh, a certain party where they're getting, you know, possibly an influence from, then that's kind of what you'd expect from them. Definitely. So, um, I mean, this is kind of another generic question, but worth mentioning. Like, looking back on it, is there any records that like you're particularly fond of? That maybe you know, again, maybe it's not your favorite, but you just kind of really proud. Like, this really represents to the best of my ability what I stood for. Or are we talking about my production? Yours or the label? It's both, maybe. If if you can think of either um, or. Well. I mean, what you have to think about with a label is, you know, everything's a moment in time. Sure. So, uh, from my side of things, I think I kind of captured what was happening at Lost with the Lost recording series. Um, from someone else's kind of perspective then I'd look at people like Dion and Funk because we wasn't just doing techno. We was, you know, also in on the Chicago side as well. Sure. We had a lot of those guys play. And that's obviously why we started the club tracks because it wasn't techno. So it had to be something, you know... Sure, a different side. Non, in a non-techno, way. let's say. Definitely. And then... Um as I mentioned before, I'm assuming a lot of the reason, a lot of the people that ended up being on the label was because they were going to the parties and they were just kind of friends and around. And yeah, well, I mean, I'm just, just, just you know th- thinking back, um, or it'd be people we'd invited to play, like like I mentioned before, like Dion, Funk, Milton. Um, we had the Tyree Cooper release. Um, and DJ Rush, right? Also. And DJ Rush, yeah, of course. Um, and obviously with Oliver. Um, who else was on there? I'm trying to think, Phase. Um, 
but it was so really, many people yeah yeah it was just very natural like i said very organic because everyone was doing all of this kind of stuff around the same time um so you know maybe we had it easy yeah fair enough <laughs> I mean, like, yeah, a lot of the people on the label went on to become pretty prominent mm-hmm. uh, producers, too. And, I mean, the, the interesting thing about you, and not only just to um, give you, you know, not trying to big you up on the show in front of you here. You can use that drink coaster. Thank you very much. Um, I mean, there's a lot of guys out there that are trying to wear all hats, like being a producer, being a DJ, being a party promoter. But in, in running a record label, you've successfully pulled off all of those things and not just like did an all right job or a fair job, but um, highly renowned in all th- all of those fields. Mm-hmm. And um, you know, and that I want to say, what was it like? Two thousand four, five. It seemed like Cosmic kind of was winding down for a bit. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it. I mean, basically, to give or take a couple of years. Yeah, I think it was two thousand five, two thousand four. I mean, but that was. You know, I came to a point that I wasn't enjoying the sound of techno at that time. That's what I was going to ask. Was it like the minimal thing? or it would, I think the minimal thing came late. Well, a little there's, bit later. There's minimal and there's minimal, yeah, the, let's say. So yeah. it, the, the whole kind of minus minimal. Yeah. minimal is different to what I class as minimal, let's say. Robert Hood or whatnot. Yeah. yeah. So it no, actually, it wasn't that because that came later. It was the techno was starting to become to become very kind of metallic. Uh, it wasn't pleasing yeah. for me. I think it became quite harsh and aggressive and fast. I think that was the reason for a lot of people, and that was. I think that's also why minimal kind of well, the newer rendition of yeah. minimal took off when it did because like. Uh, myself included, I was also getting really exhausted from how, mm-hmm. like, you know, everybody was just pushing it to this level. Yeah. And I, I kind of see that happening today now as well. But Yeah, we need to be careful about that. Yeah. So you kind of took like a hiatus, mm-hmm. um, just kind of enjoying life, doing your own thing. Well, or- it was kind of family influenced as well because my daughter was get, getting older. Mm-hmm. Um, before you know, before two thousand and five, you know, she was a lot younger, and you know, in the Montessori nursery, and they saw traveling as educational. Mm-hmm. So you know, if I w- was going off to Australia, then she'd be coming as well, and then mm-hmm. we'd go and spend a couple of you know weeks there. But then, when you children get older, you know, they have to fit into a system and they can't be coming out of school and um and weekends was like family time yeah um so it wasn't it was almost an unconscious decision to Would you just say kind of growing up in a way or just moving on a bit to see what else is out there maybe well i i just wanted to you know have family time i didn't want to be sort of traveling around and coming back on a sunday absolutely exhausted Mm -hmm. uh, which i (laughs) did for on many occasions and then you know your daughter's in school for the week so you see them in the evening and you know 
I, I saw weekends as a family time. Um, and like I say, it, it all kind of happened at the same time. So like I said, it might have been a, a little bit unconscious as well. Sure. But like I said, I, I just really wasn't enjoying the, the sound of techno at that moment. And, you know, I especially remember playing in Spain uh, a few times and I'd just be standing there thinking, I, I just don't know what I'm doing here. I hear, I've, I've had that experience a few times, you know. So, um, yeah, so I stopped. And, and and it was becoming more of a business with, you know, distribute, distribution companies, you know, kind of saying, oh, you know, you need a release then, you need a release then, you need... They were really tightening up at that yeah, point. Yeah, and I, I, I couldn't work like that. And I did it, actually, I think, maybe for, maybe only just for one release, I kind of mm-hmm. hurried something together. Um and that and it never actually got released so that was kind of the moment that i actually realized that i can't work like that i have to work in a different way i'm not a machine um i don't want to you know have anyone basically tell me when i need to release something you wanted it to be natural yeah cool but so you had that hiatus and now as of two or three years ago you kind of you're back in a way Yes. Right. I yep. mean, not, I don't know. Like in that period, did you? I know you did the remix for Richie Houghton. Yeah. I mean, that's. I uh, mean, funny you mention that. I mean, that was actually. Uh, the thing that actually got me back into making music. Oh, okay. Because I'd I'd had you know a bit of a break. I wasn't. I didn't feel that I'd missed anything. Uh, but then Richie asked me to do the remix, so and it was really quite funny because my studio was in bits, so I ended up doing it uh, at a friend's home in their living room. <laughs> um, and I thought, actually, I realise now that I do miss it and I do want to kind of start getting back into producing music again. Okay. Um, so that, yeah. So thanks to Richie for that. Excellent. So, um, now that you, you know, you're kind of coming back into it, but, um, I'm assuming just because you've been around, you've done it already and you're a little older, I don't think it seems like you really care to go full on with it and, you know, everything that comes with it. But so how are you approaching it now? Is it just like a hobby or like, ah, it's something to do for fun once in a while? Or are you just like totally in love with it again or... Yeah, that's a good way to describe it because, I mean, saying that, yeah, I did, I fell out of love with the, with it, basically, because of, you know, outside It stuff. just happens, yeah. Um, and I, it's, it's the, the other funny thing is that when I, because I, let, you know, I'd been DJing probably professionally since I was 19. Um, I mean, going sort of way back, I mean, I was... Uh, running, you know, little parties, you know, around for basically friends, you mm-hmm. know, building, you know, sound systems. I mean, I got the whole in- influence from that. For when I was growing up, I used to go to a lot of lots of blues parties. Um, so that's kind of an influence for you, is oh, blues? totally, yeah. Um, so yeah, I, like I said, I built a sound system and was, you know renting out spaces, putting a party on. So not not so different for what I was doing, 
you know, a mm-hmm. little later, just on a different level. Um, so, and I forgot the question now because I've gone off somewhere. Uh, I'm going to be honest, so did I. But, oh, yeah, basically <laughs> you you've kind of got back, you fell yes. in love with it again in yeah. a way. And, um, I mean, I see it as, an, uh, it's kind of an escape um, because when, I'm, I'm sure it's the same for anyone that's producing music. You just, you're, I mean, you're totally immersed. I mean, I'm totally immersed in mm-hmm. what I'm doing at that moment and, and that time. And it, you know, for for that time, that's all there is. Sure. Um, and I like that kind of escapism. So would you say... Now that now that you're back into it and you you kind of you have that feeling again and everything, going forward, um, Cosmic you 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 relaunched a few years ago when you came back as well. Yeah. Um, not only not only you did what three records on it since That's then. That's right. Yeah. And then you've done uh, I think a couple tracks for Osgood for Function. Yep. I uh, did a remix for me and maybe a remix for a couple others. Yeah, that sound about right. Yeah. And then this infrastructure compilation. Yeah. So you've been pretty busy in the last few years. Yeah. Um, but I mean, the the other side of it is that I I don't know how other people work, but I work usually quite quickly on music. Um, so I think it was December. What we're we now, 2016, so it would have yeah. been December 2013, 2014, you know, December to January. Sure. I basically set my studio up again and made a lot of music mm-hmm. in quite a short amount of time. Um, and, but I, like I said, I work like that anyway because I don't, I'm not a noodly person, I'm more of a hands on person. And I like, Are you a technical guy or not so much? I wouldn't say that I am, no. Okay. Um, and I let things run and just go with it. Um, yeah, sometimes you'll revisit stuff. But I don't spend, you know, too long on, on a track because I think from my side that you lose uh, a whole kind of spirit within what you've created and then if you sort of try to like clean it up too much Mm -hmm. that just all gets lost yeah so yeah there's a lot of people that will either work the track to death or if they don't they really kind of focus too much on mastering or or whatnot Mm -hmm. and it in the end it just it's like a overly clean version it's too clinical yeah and i I definitely don't notice that in your tracks you know what i mean it's it's raw and untouched as far as that energy goes yeah so with those tracks and the new stuff is definitely leaning more in this like i don't know if psychedelics were but definitely like a trippy raw analog sort of vibe um you know definitely not like let's say the tribal period from cosmic uh you know so with that in mind, when you're trying to make these tracks, you know, what, uh, what's in your head that says, like, this is what I want to do? I know you brought up, like, the word escapism before. Mm-hmm. 
Like, um, is there something you're kind of channeling, like a feeling or an idea? Or well, you... every producer, DJ, they've got their own vision on what they want to present or what they feel is right at the moment. Yeah. Um, but, I mean, that's actually not true, what I said, what, for what's right at the moment, unless it's what's right for you at the moment. And it's, you know, every, I, I would say every music producer can produce, produce those kind of big, you know, club big, tracks. Sure. If they wanted to. Yeah. But I, maybe I, I mean, this probably doesn't sound uh, what should be said, but maybe I care about it too much because I, I'm not saying what I'm doing is right. I'm not saying what anyone else does is wrong. But I, when I think about the whole kind of experience and I sort of think about how uh, a club setting or party, whatever should be, um, that's how I basically draw the in- influences for what music I want to produce at that moment. Sure. Um, and when I think back, I mean, with I would say that Lost Recordings 1 and Lost Recordings 2, they're more... Um, they're more real, let's say. Yeah. I think when I moved into Lost Recordings 3 and 4, I think it started to dilute a little bit from from me as a person. Mm-hmm. Um, and if, you, if, if anyone's aware of... Were those the, the remix records by that no, point? No. Oh, okay. Um, so, and... There, there's no real difference between what what I'm making now um, to those two releases that I made however many years ago. I can't yeah. remember. 20 something almost? Yeah, probably. Crazy. Um, it's still the same kind of spirit. So that being said, um, you, you brought... You brought it back. Was it Lost or Cosmic that came back? I don't have the notes in front of it me. Was, well, Cosmic is kind of... The, the the mother label the mother label yeah. yes uh, and then you got lost and cosmic ID basically yes uh, it was only the lost recording series because obviously that's for the parties for the parties and that's what I see as a true reflection of myself mm-hmm. um, and like I said I made a whole bunch of music in that vein and that's what it was suited to it was suited mm-hmm. to lost because that would be the sound of the party let's okay. say so you know the last series basically came back but on cosmic um do you see i mean do you have plans for the label to come back like maybe bring on other artists or do you have a um new label coming or anything like that or well yes <laughs> to the answer to that question is with Cosmic Lost, I'm you know, not really sure what's going to happen with that, but I'm starting a new label right now. Okay. Um, so, yeah, I'm not sure what will happen okay. with Lost or Cosmic. So the details are a bit early, but you got something in the works. Yeah, well, I mean, the label's called Six Dimensions. Okay. And it's 
based on the theory that, you know, in... I won't say every human, because people will argue the Mm. point. Um, But basically the mind is split into these six dimensions and it's about balance and imbalance. Mm -hmm. Um, And until, you know, these six dimensions are completely balanced, that's when you're, you know... Let's say a, a whole human. Oh being. yeah, I've I've read about that. Yeah. But is it, I mean, but is that similar to the pyramid uh, thing, like it and ego and super ego and all that, or is it? I mean, it seems similar, but uh, maybe it's a different way to look at well, I, I th- the whole full actualization. Yeah, I, I think it's more. It, uh, it's more real. Let's say fair enough, and it's more individual, and you know. I think people don't really understand, or not not that they don't understand, but people take it for granted that um, each individual is different and no two people are the same. Sure. Um, so that gives us a very complicated world if you think about it in that way. Yeah. I mean, so I guess just, just listening to you now and also like looking at old titles of records and listening to you really think about the past or the parties of what we're talking about, it seems like you're a pretty heady dude and you kind of, you have an interest in this like psychology point of uh, uh, thing or is, well, would you say that? I would say that I'm more aware of it now than I was. Okay. Um, and it's, it's become a real interest of mine. Mm-hmm. So that's why I basically, you know, it, it's taken me, I, I don't know how long to think of the name for the label, but the reason it's taken so long, probably eight months, nearly a year, the reason it's taken so long is because it wasn't right. Mm-hmm. And then things, the way I see it, that things, when things um, are right, they come together. And mm-hmm. you, you can't push or force it if you're able to not push and force it, let's say. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel very comfortable with the concept for the label because it won't just be a label there there will be other let's say arms to it um party promotion or are you yes, done with that yeah no. yes definitely and installations um and it won't just i mean later when as the label develops it won't i'm not tying it down to just being music that gets released it'll be all different types of things that um, I f- feel should, you know, other people should hear it. Kind of connected in a way. Yeah. Kind of build like, not just build a record label, but build, but build like maybe kind of a, a little world around it. Like it's a its yeah. own kind of microcosm of uh, various artistic things. Yeah. I mean, and that, that would be brilliant because I'm interested in different things. I'm not, mm-hmm. you know... It, it's really funny you get asked the question, so, you know, do you listen to techno every day? And No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. I used to. Yeah. Um, in the early days, for sure, there was, I wouldn't... Couldn't get enough, maybe. No. <laughs> but, you know, by, you know, when I was first collecting music, I was seriously collecting music. I would say I was collecting hip-hop and rare groove. Uh, but before that... Um, you know what I was just you know I'd be coming home from school and I'd go past a a record shop called Dub Vendor Mm -hmm. 
Um, and I'd just go and stand in there. I didn't have money to buy records, but I'd just go in and sort of hang around. And that's how I found out about the sort of blues parties and things. Um, so, yeah, like you say, I, I just think that it's a chance to play around, really, and in, enjoy things. Yeah. So, that being said, you have the new label and everything. Um a lot of people, you know, because I took some questions from the internet, they want to know if um, if you're going to repress any of the Cosmic catalog or maybe even release it digitally. Um, but that was supposed to happen uh, probably two years ago. Which part of it or both? Uh, both. Okay. Um, but that's kind of going into a personal world that I'd rather not talk about. Fair enough. So... <laughs> so Maybe it'll happen, maybe it won't. I mean, it should happen. I agree. I mean, there's a lot of great stuff there. And, you know, I mean, um, there's a lot of timeless music, too. Like, sure, there's a lot of records, and some of them are maybe, maybe a bit more, let's say, uh, trendy for the moment, like yeah. in, in the tribal vein, yeah. but they're still really well done for that period. Mm-hmm. And uh, there's even talk, people saying, like, that kind of sound is maybe going to make a comeback in a way. Um whether it does or doesn't, I don't care. I mean, there's enough of those old records out there that are yep. good. I can play those. Exactly. But I, I definitely see that, um, you know, like especially for your productions and the ones that I've heard lately and it, listening to you talk about Six Dimensions and everything, it seems like you're more focused on um, maybe exploring the possibilities of music. Not like, you know, Jeff Mills is like, let's treat it like a sci-fi movie or something, mm-hmm. but you actually maybe make it seem more cerebral or something like that. And well, I, I when when you're saying stuff like that, I mean, you know, you're when you're you're in a certain space at a certain time. Yeah. So you're going to make this at that moment. You're going to yeah. make that at that moment, and it, it's all about you know the you know human emotions. They're kind of up and down. Um. So you know, you might make. Uh, something one day because of one thing that's happened. Mm-hmm. Um, and it's not, I think, you know, I wouldn't class myself as a professional music producer because I, or professional DJ, because, especially a professional DJ, because the a professional DJ is there to basically entertain an audience. Mm-hmm. or please an audience let's say um but i see it differently i mean i don't play anything that i don't like yeah i don't play a record just because that will get a reaction you know and i don't personally like it's not that i don't like i don't like it but i don't like you know standing on a stage and playing music and that sounds bizarre, but I think there's a lot of people like how that. I kind of contradict that is that I don't usually I, I'm in my own little box yeah, and I'll play what I'm going to play at that time. I don't go anywhere and prepare, right? Uh, this is my set for that night. Um, and I do it, you know, as it's, 
it's kind of what happens. It's like a feet. It's it's where you are at that moment. Yeah. I mean, I say that quite a lot, but you. I think if I did, if I didn't do that, um, I just wouldn't be doing it. Yeah. And when I think back to, and I mean, another reason why I didn't, I I stopped enjoying DJing because I think at around that time as well, I just felt that the technology. I was getting frustrated. Yeah, you mm-hmm. can play on free decks, but it wasn't. I didn't know kind of what I wanted to happen, but the technology wasn't around. But now you've got, you know, I play off of a memory stick that, you know, there's some people don't like it. Some people think it's all right, mm-hmm. but um, it, it enables me to manipulate everything that I'm doing. Totally. Um, and I just, like I said, I, I think I just got a bit frustrated with the whole vinyl thing. Yeah, I, you know, I I love records. I don't like carrying them around. Um, but with, you know, using a CDJ and you you kind of make everything up on the spot. No. Yeah. It gives you that possibility, let's say. So it keeps it interesting because I like... I don't want to just be standing there. I want to be doing stuff, and it's it's like a a child in a sweet shop. I think for it's me. a good. It's, I think it's yeah. a good middle ground. Like you get the kind of control and the beat matching challenge of vinyl, but it has the looping functionality and stuff of yeah. digital stuff. And you know what? Everybody's got their own preference of format. Yeah. And until someone nukes this planet to a crisp, everybody's going to argue over which format's yeah. better. But I don't. Well, I mean, that's because you're a little older. You don't <laughs> yeah. give a shit. You're just no, like, you know what? That is not one of my problems. <laughs> yeah. You know what I mean? I, I'm the same way now. People still bring this stuff up, and mm. I'm like, sure, I have my opinions, but like, what does it matter? Yeah, <laughs> it's what works for you. Even if I put up a statement on Twitter or whatever the hell tomorrow about what I think works, nothing's going to change, so right. it doesn't matter. <laughs> so um, I, I did ask a couple of uh, I asked the internet for some questions. Yeah. Uh, sometimes the peanut gallery actually gives me a couple of good ones. Sometimes they're really incredibly stupid. But um, there's a couple a couple we should go into here. Right. Can I have we... the good ones, please? Uh, well, I try to sort through okay. them. We're gonna throw in a couple curveballs. <laughs> right, um, one guy wrote that he keeps saying these pictures with uh, you and Steve. Or, I mean, you are Steve. You and Luke and Dave. Right. Um, is that like just still in teaser mode or is this like a project you guys are working it, on? It or? is a project, yes. Okay. Yes. And leave it at that for now? We'll leave it at that for now. It's Exciting. LSD and it's Luke, Steve and Dave. Can we expect to hear something about that sooner rather than later? Uh, yes, in fact. Awesome. I can't really say. Yeah. That, yeah. Something, you don't have to order anything. Something's but. happening in July. Excellent. In fact. Um, and this one is a bit more... We got, we'll take one studio question. Rich writes in, Steve is on another level. Skills are crazy. Uh, do you have a special technique for gluing stuff together in the mix? Like anything um, like, that? like I said, it's basically, it's almost done live. I mean, um, it's, everything's run through the mixer and I arrange it that way. Fair enough. Basically. All live or do you throw it into a computer then and all that? Uh, no, I did, it's, it's, it's all live. I mean, the only time 
um, it goes into a computer is uh, to get it in order for mastering, basically. Fair enough. Are you, are you sticking with uh, with the old kit, or now that you're kind of coming back, are you, you jumping into the modular world or anything like that? I or? haven't yet, but I I am interested. Mm-hmm. Let's say it does look like that, good fun. That is a uh, it's like owning a boat or something. You yeah. just keep pouring money into it and smiling the exactly. entire time. And <laughs> I mean, my setup is very minimal. But not you know, well, minimal. There's there's not a lot to it, but I think. What happens, or what what certainly happened to me in the past, is, yeah, you can have lots of equipment, too much, yeah. and you don't basically use it for, to its full potential, yeah. Because sometimes, um, you don't spend enough time on something to actually really find out how it works. Yeah, I agree. I mean, I think that's the biggest problem, or you know, maybe not even with gear, but a lot of people download. 3 million VSTs yes. for their computer. Yeah. And, uh, you know, in the end, they still end up using sample packs or something. <laughs> Not even hating on, on, on that. It's just, you know, yeah. it's too much. Um, Carl has a two-part question. He wants, to know, he wants to know why and for whom. Yep. And also, how can we know? Ah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, that was <laughs> exactly that, you know. Yeah. I mean, there's, there is no answer to that. It's kind of everyone has, you know, everyone has their own answer to to those titles. Some people are wondering, what the hell is he talking about? Those are titles of, of old records on his yeah. label. So, yeah. <laughs> um, Kurt wants to know, was Frankie Bones as awesome as he said he was at Energy? Um, I couldn't answer that question because I didn't hear him. Fair enough. <laughs> And then, actually, um, this guy, Chris, he had a two-part question, but the other part was, do you miss the energy parties, or are you happy with the present world of uh, clubbing? I'm, I'm really comfortable with where I, where I am now. Um, and I, I was going to go into it earlier. It, it, you know, like I said, I started professionally DJing at 19 at kind of energy parties and the, the funny thing was before I actually played at those parties you know I was playing at parties for like 100 150 people then all of a sudden I'm standing in a field with 15 20,000 people so for the for those that don't know the energy parties that's basically what it is is the like a field rave of yeah. 15 to 20,000 people yeah and um it didn't nothing really changed it didn't matter if I was standing in front of 100 people 150 people or playing to 15 or 20,000 people it didn't change what I would be playing mm-hmm. let's say it was very kind of natural and, and it's not until you look back on it and you sort of remember moments of running across a field with your record box on your shoulder trying to avoid the police and uh, all that kind of stuff but you know getting back to the present I mean and Sorry, just going back a little bit more. Yeah. I, I, you know, I always because I was kind of very young when mm-hmm. I was doing it, and everyone else was, most people was older than me, so I was the kind of young kid. Yeah, uh, and that's obviously changed now. But uh, and I always remember thinking to myself, well, you know, I don't want to be running around with a record box when I'm forty. Um, but well, you're halfway there now, right? You got the sticks instead. Yeah, that's true. Yeah. That, that was it. But um, like I said, 
I'm, you know, when I touched on it earlier, I, I got frustrated that, you know, possibly the technology wasn't around what I wanted there and then. Um, and I'm, I wouldn't change the past for now because the past is like the history of where, where you get to. Um, but at this present moment, I'm really enjoying myself. And for anyone to be able to do something that they enjoy it and mm -hmm. every time it's different, um, they're very privileged, let's awesome. say. And so Chris was also wondering, uh, let's go with current times. Is there a favorite country or city that you like to DJ in at the moment? No, I mean, the <clears throat> someone asked me that actually. I played in Tel Aviv last week. Um, I love it there. Yeah. Great uh, food, great parties. Yeah. And um, they asked me the same question, but the, the way things are working at the moment is that because I've worked very closely with my agent and he knows kind of, it's not about where the party is, it's about the type of party I, I want to play at. Um, and that's kind of happening everywhere. So I'm really happy that, that's kind of working out because it doesn't matter if I'm in Berlin, Italy, you know, Tel Aviv or anywhere. Mm -hmm. it, the, the party has the same <laughs> sort of experience, whether what, whatever country it's in. So, and that's really important to me because like I said earlier, I don't ever want to be standing in a party or a festival and thinking, you know, what am I doing here? Yeah. Um, and that's, like I said, it, it's, it's good for me at the moment because I'm able to pick and choose a bit more. Yeah. I got you. So remaining on the topic of parties, Eddie wrote in, he says, who did you piss off in Glasgow that you play there so rarely? Uh, <laughs> it, it was possibly because of the music that, uh, because I used to play there, a lot uh but this is you know early 90 yeah. late 89 nine you know um and you know the people you know friends or parties that i was going to or putting on or you know i was i think i was known as bls of bob bicknell because they didn't know what this music was that i was playing <laughs> um but I don't know. Maybe someone could let me know who I've pissed off. <laughs> so if you're listening, send them some uh, yeah. hate mail. <laughs> um, we'll take one more here from Ava. Um, it's tough to always put you on the spot about favorite producers, but do you have any favorite women producers from over the years? Nina Simone. There you go. <laughs> not exactly in the techno not, realm. Not a, but not a producer, but you know. A great singer. She's, you know, that's that's another one of those talents where, uh, I mean, everybody knows that James Brown got ripped off in this industry and, and the Amen break and whatnot. But Nina Simone was another one of those people that has been sampled yeah. time and time again and will continue to be sampled, uh, you know, in dance music. Mm -hmm. So somebody's trying to ring the doorbell here, but nobody was invited. So <laughs> that is definitely the mailman or something. Um. But it looks like I'm, 
I'm pretty much out of questions here that I was curious about, and I know you got some places to be, okay. so we'll wrap it up here shortly. Um, you got any dates or podcasts coming up that you want to plug? Um, podcasts, I don't really do that often, and, and if I'm honest, I prefer not to do them. Um, any reason why? Just you want well, to be in the moment? or? Yeah, I mean, possibly, you know, this... <laughs> might sound a bit strange but it's because they're free i hear and you. i think it loses you know the, the, the music it more disposable yeah and it loses value um and i don't th- think that you know getting something free like you said it's disposable and it's sure um and it, it's difficult to do a podcast because it's not i yeah you, you get close to it but it's not a true reflection of um, what you'd be doing in a club or a party. And if I do do a, a podcast, I, I would prefer to, you know, I have done a couple where I play anything. Yeah. I'd, I'd rather not play techno. Those are interesting, though, because sometimes people want to know what makes Steve Bick yeah. tick or, or you know what I mean? Yeah. I mean, I, I prefer to do that if I'm yeah. doing a podcast for sure. Um, and then dates... There is a date in July. Can, is there a place that they can uh, they can go to the Facebook or? Oh yeah, I mean, obviously, all my dates are on uh, Facebook if it's been updated. Um, and there is a confusion because there is two Facebooks, and is, are they both yours or no? Well, they kind of are, but <laughs> uh, one was basically set up for lost um, many years ago. And I don't think Facebook had artist pages or okay. whatever. So, yes, there's there's two. But the current one is, I think it's Steve Bicknell 182 or something like something that. Something like that. Yeah, dates. Just subscribe to both of them. Yeah. You know, no, no, big... no. <laughs> no, no don't. don't do that. Okay, never mind. No, because that uh, pisses Will off. <laughs> <laughs> Fair enough. <laughs> but uh, so do the 182 one. What about, uh, well... The, the compilation's coming out, uh, I think, this week or next yes. week on Infrastructure. Yeah. Um, what's your track called on there? Do you remember? It's called... Is it called Passage Through Darkness? I think it is. We'll roll with that. You know, last week on the, on the last episode I did, I, I have a new record out this week and I couldn't remember yeah. what it was called. It's yeah. just on the, when, you're, when you're on the microphone and someone catches you yeah. off, you're like, oh, uh, yeah. Yeah. So you got that. What um, you've then, already said you got the label coming. What yeah, else? Yeah, that's the. I mean, the first release on Six Dimensions will be September, um, and then after that, I mean, there'll be a release. You know, every two months. Um, the I'm working on a installation with the Polish Institute of Culture, which um, will be very interesting i mean it is it's something that where would that where, where would, would that be, be exhibited yeah i mean or can you not say it i can't really say yet but it won't just be you know there's speak of it um to be exhibited at the festival of architecture and stuff like that so um and what else yeah i mean that's quite a bit for the moment i'm really focused that's on, enough, on, on right? the label right now um and that's 
you know, taken a bit of time to get together, but it's it's kind of all in place. I mean, as soon as the first release goes out, I mean, you know, we, everything's in place for it to continue. Um, so then I can concentrate on other things mm-hmm. once, you know. Once the kind of the template is set. Yeah. Yep. Excellent. Any last words or uh, anything you want to get off your chest before we head out here? Um, get off my chest. What would I like to get off my chest? Absolutely nothing. It's not a bad place to be in. All right. Well, thank you for coming on, yeah. man. Thank and, you very uh, much. I'll see you tonight at the record shop. Okay. Perfect. Have a good one. Take care.